you know, at the beginning of this year, um, there was a, a prophetic word going out and, um, and I received it from the Lord as well. And many prophetic people right across the earth had the same word. And it was that God was going to pour out unprecedented favor uh, upon his people and undeserved favor, unmerited favor. In other words, we didn't have to like do anything to get this favor. We didn't have to earn brownie points. We didn't have to, you know, even fast and pray for 21 days. But God was just going to pour out his spirit, pour out his favor upon his people just because he loved them. And we said that at the beginning of this year, and I've seen that. You know, we, the, the first part of this year, all we could talk about was the love of God and how much he loves us. And we were singing that song, he loves us, oh, how he loves us. And we're singing that song. Every time we sing that song, I cry my eyes out. Many other people will cry because the revelation that God loves me, that God is jealous for me, that, that God is for me. And I don't have to do anything to receive that love. I just have to be me because God made me exactly the way I am. He understands me. He understands my life. He understands everything about me. And now lately, all we can just talk about is grace, his grace, his undeserved, unmerited favor. And, you know, it says here in 1 Thessalonians 5.28, and this is in the amplified version because it really does explain the word grace here. It said, the grace, the unmerited favor and blessings of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, be with you. Amen. So be it. This unmerited favor. And I believe this. I believe there's a twofold thing that God wants to do. Number one, God wants to prove to us and show us and convince us that he completely and utterly, passionately loves us. And number two, he wants to show the world how much he loves us. You see? He wants to, it says, it says in the word of God that our glory will be displayed in the last days. It says your light has come and the glory will be seen upon you. And you know, when God When we get it that God loves us, it's like all of a sudden there's an open, there's an open door. There's an open door that doesn't have those restrictions that used to be there. That used to say, I don't believe you love me, God. I don't think I'm good enough. You know, I've got to do this first. I've got to do that first. I've got to get good enough first. All these things block us from the pure source of love that God just wants to pour into us. So that we get a revelation, he loves me, he loves me, he loves me. He's completely satisfied with me. He's completely at peace with who I am right now in my life. He knows my weaknesses, he knows my shortfallings, he knows my sin, he knows me. And as we get this revelation that God loves us, there comes within us such a love for him that we don't need to be told that we don't want sin anymore. We don't need to be told that we have to clean our act up. We don't need to be told, you sinners, come and repent on the altar. You know, this wave of God's spirit right now, and we've seen many waves of God's spirit, there's been, there's been revivals of repentance. 
And we've been there. Phil and I have been there, laying on our faces, crying, Oh, God, I'm such a sinner. And it was real. But this wave of God, he's, he's bringing his love so strongly to us that we don't, he doesn't have to make us get on our faces and say, God, I'm a sinner. We'll be getting on our faces and go, God, you love me. You love me. And I don't even deserve this. So how, what can I do about this love? What do you do when someone loves you that much and you don't deserve it? You just got to love them back. You can't help it. You just got to love them back. And then from deep down inside of you, there comes such a love and such an honor for him and such a gratefulness and a thankfulness that he loves you just as you are, that you just say, God, I want to live for you then. The way that I show you that I love you back is I'm going to live for you and I'm going to let you shine in my life. I'm going to let your grace permeate every part of my being. I'm going to get rid of all these blockages that make me hold you at arm's distance because I don't feel good enough. I'm going to get a revelation of this love. And then what happens is that the world looks at you and says, what do you got? What is it that's on you? What is it that you carry? What, why, why are you so comfortable in your own skin? Why, why are you so, so beautiful and sweet and not competitive and not jealous and not angry? And, you know, you're different to other people. And you say, because he loves me. He loves me. And then they go, I want that. I want that. The greatest sign and wonder that you can show to people right now in your life is that he loves me. The greatest sign and wonder you can show to Australians is that I am covered by grace. Not by works, by grace. Most Australians would say to you, I can't go to church because of the roof will fall in. Most Australians have this image outside the church that, you know, that, 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 that there's a, a, a person in the church with a collar that yells and screams at them and tells them that they're no good rotten sinners and that they're going to go to hell unless they do some, you know, jump through some hoops and, you know, play with some beads and do all kind of stuff. And, and, and that's the only way they're going to make it. That's their image of, of church. They have no idea that there's a place like this right in the middle of Tugra that is so jam-packed with love that it just takes our breath away. They have no idea. But as he loves you, you love them. And as you love them, they see the love of God on you. It's such a beautiful thing. You know, we're talking about grace. And... Uh, this scripture really just stuck out to me. It's in the Message Bible. I want to talk to you about it tonight. It's in Matthew eleven twenty nine. This is the Message Bible. It says, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. I'm just going to read it again. It's so beautiful. There's just so much in that. Walk with me. This is Jesus talking to you right now. Listen to Jesus. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. 
learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. You know, there's something about this unforced rhythm of grace. There's something about getting into this groove in God. This is exactly where God wants us to be in this day and this hour. God wants us to cease from our striving. He wants us to stop trying so hard to be good Christians. And he wants us to get into a rhythm of grace, of knowing that I am forgiven, that I am loved, and that God is going to show himself through me because he loves me and he loves the world so much that he wants to prove himself. There's a rhythm in this grace. There's a place where we can just sit, where we can find the rhythm that God is in and get a rest in that. You know, the Israelites, you know, God had given them rest as a covenant blessing. But the scriptures clearly say that out of disobedience, they never entered into that rest. They never entered that rest. And because they never entered into that rest, they didn't really get what God was up to, what God was doing. Therefore, they became whinging and complaining and out of sync with the rhythm of God. Moses stayed in the rhythm. He stayed in relationship. He stayed close to God. He stayed close to the heartbeat of God. Therefore, he was never out of sync. He was never out of the rhythm of grace. He entered into that rest. And there's a place right now that God wants us to enter into to get the rhythm of his grace is to cease from our striving, to give him the steering wheels of our life, to surrender completely to him and to come into this place and enter into rest. Enter into rest. I don't don't have to beat myself up. I don't have to be good enough. I don't have to jump up and down. I, I I don't have to prove myself to God or to any other person. There's a rest in knowing that I know that I know that my Father loves me and that my Father is for me and that I can do anything because he is with me. See, when I give up that control thing, it's got to do with control. It's like, Lord, I love you, but, you know, I've got to do it the way I see fit. I've got to try hard. I've got to strive. I've got to push. You know, I've got to, I've got to work hard at this to make sure I'm good enough for you and make sure everybody else knows about you. You know, there's a sense of rest in God. The sense where you just, you just breathe. Oh. And you just, it's not my responsibility to be good enough for God. It was Jesus' responsibility. And he did it for me. He paid the price so that I might be free. It's not my responsibility to save the whole world. Even though sometimes I think it is. <laughs> Don't I, Mark? But it's not. It's not my responsibility. It's his responsibility. And as I enter into that rest, as I just say, Dad, let me watch you move. Let me watch you work. I want to do it with you. 
I want to work with you. I want to walk with you. I want to see how you do it. I want to enter into your rest. Amen. You know, Exodus 33, 14 says this. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Who feels restful tonight? The presence of God is here. Do you know what? That is available to you every second, every day. The presence of God never changes, never moves. It doesn't increase, decrease. It's always there. It's whether we enter in to that rest enough that we can feel his presence, that we can hear his heartbeat, and that we can know him. Amen. And Moses says to him in Exodus 33:15, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and your people unless you go with me? What will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. What will distinguish us from all the other people on the earth? This place of unrest, this place of strife, this place where people, more and more people are going on medication for panic attacks, anxiety, depression than ever before in the history of mankind. This place where our young people and our teenagers have three or four things plugged into them at once and can do multitask and just never have a place of peace and rest. What would distinguish us from all the other people on the earth? This place where they're striving for beauty and, and, and for, for fame and for recognition and they're striving at work, at school to be the best to be successful, to be recognized, to be affirmed by somebody. What will distinguish us from all the other peoples on the earth? When we get that rest on us, I don't have to strive. I don't have to try. I don't have to prove myself to anybody. I don't have to be the slimmest, the fattest, the skinniest, the most beautiful. I don't have to have my picture on the front cover of a magazine. I don't have to be the best singer. I don't have to wear an American Idol. I don't have to do this. I, all I have to be is me because me is amazing. Yeah. And there's never been another me like me on the earth before. Do you think of that a flower strives to be beautiful, to have a beautiful fragrance, to be pleasing to people? And this, this, tree, this flower just goes like that and then it just goes ding. And then we walk past and we go, oh, smell that flower. Look at it. It's beautiful. It's just, oh. And we want to pick it. We want to take it home. We want to stick it in water. We want it to last forever because of the natural beauty and the fragrance of that flower. Do you know that we are a fragrance of life? That we are the fragrance of life to this earth. That we carry with us the beauty of Jesus Christ. When they look into your eyes, they're going to see Jesus smiling right back at them. When they look into your eyes, I hope that they see the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ all over you. I, I hope that they see the love and compassion that Jesus would give them if he was here in person himself. Because it's Jesus inside of you. 
that wants to touch them, that wants to reach out, that wants to heal their sick bodies, wants to open their spiritually blind eyes, that wants to show them that he loves them. It's Jesus inside of you that wants to reveal to them that their Father in heaven just totally is just totally in love with them and that they are his children. And as we just sit on the lap of our dad, just take a chill pill in the presence of God. Get the peace of God on us. Get the rest of God on us. And then as we walk around, it's, it's, it's just going to permeate off of us. Oh, you know, I just heard God say just then, you know, it's not just for other people that I'm doing this. He just said, my beloved, it's for you. What kind of life would you have if you went through your whole life and never knew how much I loved you? What kind of life would you have? What kind of existence would it be that you call yourself Christian and that don't understand that your father loves you? We need this revelation so badly. You know, do you know what the church needs right now more than anything else? We need hope. We need hope. You know, we need to see a few people changed. We need to see a few people delivered. We need to see a few people healed. And God is about to pour out favor where we're not even going to have to, you know, at all. You know, we're just going to walk up to someone with the love of God. Like this morning, we had an altar call here for healing. I don't know if that lady's here. She's not here. There was a lady that came onto the altar. And, you know, and, and, and I, just, I just thought, oh, God loves her so much. I don't know what's wrong with her. I don't know where, she, where she's sick in her body. I didn't feel like even talking to her. I just grabbed her hands like that. And I just thought, God, show her how much you love her. And this means she just starts shaking. And, oh, you know, shake the fire of God. And I'm just going, oh, can I have some? And so then I started to get some from her because I said I wanted to. I was just getting the crumbs off the table. Do you know what I mean? Just what was left over. That was, I was having leftovers, God. And, um, and then at the end of the service, she came up to me, big smile on her face. She said, I've been in church for years. Do you know how long it is since I felt the anointing? Do you know what that does to my heart? Do you know what that does? And I looked at her eyes were gleaming. And I said, yeah, it makes you fall in love again. Makes you fall in love again. Amen. You know, it says in this scripture here, just put that scripture up again from the message um, Bible, please, Sam, and just leave it up there unless I tell you. Because I love it. The unforced rhythms of grace. Yeah. And it says in here, walk with me. You know, if we're going to walk in this unforced let me just, let me say this. It's unforced rhythm. It's unforced rhythm. It's the rest of God. It's not forced. If we're going to walk in these unforced rhythms of grace, we're going to walk with him. We have to be in step and in pace with him. Not ahead of him, not behind him, but in perfect time in the unforced rhythm of grace. We're going to actually walk in step with God, walking step 
by step by step with God. And I remember, you know, my mum and dad were ballroom dancers. My mum was a ballroom dancing teacher. And they used to dance. We'd go to parties and they'd do like the old jive and stuff. And he would toss her around and do this stuff until he got too fat. And he just couldn't do it anymore. And he used to just sit here and there and watch her dance with everyone else she was amazing and they were amazing but I remember being you know a young you know 10 year old and him being at a party and he says come and dance with me Jules I said oh dad I don't know how to dance like you guys you know it's a bit embarrassing and he goes come here I'll show you and he said step on my feet and I said step on your feet just step on my feet and I just stepped up onto his feet and held onto his arms and he just waltzed me around that party Like I was like, you know, I'd been learning for years because I was just on my daddy's feet. And wherever my daddy moved, I moved because I was was on his feet. I didn't have to think about it. I didn't have to try. I didn't have to learn the steps because all I had to do was get on my daddy's feet and dance with my daddy. Amen. And this is the unforced rhythm of grace. We're dancing with our daddy. He's the one doing the work. We're not doing this stuff. We just got to get on daddy's feet and walk at the same pace in the rhythm of grace with him. And, you know, Charlie, our little grandson, was at our place a little while ago, and um, he's just crawling around, and he's just busting to walk. He's just busting. He's just like Andrew. He's just so stuck in his baby body. He's got to do things. He wants to get up. He wants to go, and he's stuck in his baby body, and it won't move fast enough. And so, you know, Phil... Phil was there and Phil grabbed him by his little hands and stood him up and he stepped backwards and stepped onto Phil's feet. And Phil started walking with him like this and he was laughing. He's going, now I got it. I got the transport. I'm off. I can walk now. You know, and he looked and I took a photo because he was looking up at Poppy going, we're doing this, aren't we, you know? And Phil was just walking him on his feet. It was the cutest thing ever. And I just thought of us and God and, and how he just wants to do things in this day and age, this unforced rhythm of grace, just getting on our daddy's feet, just stepping back onto his feet. Every time you feel yourself pushing, you know, if you're praying for someone, you're, I've got to get this person healed. I've got to get them healed. I've got to get them healed. <laughs> There's the anointing. I can feel that. There's fire. I'm sure of it. Come on. You know, just step back onto daddy's feet. Just put your hand in daddy's hand and go, Father. You know what I'm saying? And then it says, work with me. Work with me. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, do you know what a yoke is? A yoke is when they would just get two oxen, they would get, and they would actually get two oxen that were exactly the same size, because that's why they talk about being unequally yoked. All you young people that want to go and date non-Christians or what, don't be unequally yoked. You need to be of the same level. Yeah? And they would get two oxen exactly the same size so that one wouldn't pull the other weird and they would be 
there. And then they would just put this yoke around their necks that would yoke them together. And the two of them would pull the weight more than one could pull, more than 10 could pull. Two, it says one sets a thousand to flight, two set 10,000 to flight. Amen. And there's something about partnering with Jesus Christ. I remember when I saw that movie, The Passion, and Jesus was carrying his cross you know, up the hill and this, and, and that man just came along to help him carry the cross and he got up under Jesus and, and put his arm around him like that and they carried the cross together. And I thought that is a, I was crying, you know, this, this is a perfect example of what Christ wants for us, that we partner with him, that we yoked with him. And when you're yoked with someone, you can't run off and do your own thing. You, you, can't, you can't push hard because you just got to go at the same pace as him. You just look sideways and just go, is he here with me? If he's not here with you, take a few steps back. Get back in that yoke with him and be yoked with Jesus for his yoke is easy. If you feel there's a burden that's so heavy on you, if you feel like, you know, I've got to get the whole world saved and I've got to get all my friends saved and I've got people at church saved and, you know, I've got to go to Africa because they're starving over there. I've got to feed them all. They're all going to starve. And you start going, oh, you know, and it's like, oh, this is too much. God, I don't even know where to start. And then you go, oh, hang on. It's feeling a little heavy there. I've got someone else's yoke on. It's not mine. It's not Jesus. Get that yoke off. Get back get yoked with Jesus. And he goes, see that one there, Jill? See that one? I say, yeah, Lord. One at a time. That's how we're going to do it. One at a time. One soul at a time. One person at a time. One child at a time. One bit of food at a time. That's how we're going to do it, Jules. You or me. Because he's not thinking that one of us is going to do anything all by ourselves. He made us a community. He made us a body of Christ where we all do our little bit and we all do our thing from the beginning of time right up until now. That's why we have the great cloud of witnesses up there going, come on, we did our bit. Just do your bit. If you just do your bit and we all do our bit, we'll all get there. Amen? Work with me. It's not a yoke of slavery or bondage, but freedom. Let go of striving and driving and simply follow. Amen? It's not a yoke of forced rules and regulations, but it's an unforced rhythm of grace. An unforced rhythm of grace. You know, Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. And when, when he's saying to us in the scripture, work with me, just work with me. Watch how I do it. Watch how I do it. How did he do it? When we read the scriptures, all the accounts of Jesus, it says very clearly that he never did anything that he didn't see his Father doing, that he didn't touch anything that he didn't see his Father touching, that he would go away and he would pray. He would go to quiet places and he would get in the rhythm of grace again. He would hear the heartbeat of his Father. He would get in the presence of his Father and then he would come back down. And they were pushing and they were shoving at him and they were demanding that he work harder, that he stay longer, that he pray for more. And he'd go, i just got to go and pray right now. And he'd go away, leaving all the sick. All, they're going to die without him. They're going to be lost without him. He just goes, I'll be back. And he just goes away and he goes up into the mountain and he prays and he gets back into the rhythm of grace. He comes out of the forced place. He comes out of the drivenness. He comes out of that place and he just says, yeah. And then he comes back down. And then how many sick people would he have walked past? How many? But he only touched what? 
the father said. He was so in tune with the father's voice that he just worked with the father. The father wants to speak to us. The Father wants to give us his grace. The Father wants to pour out his love upon us. And the Father wants us to walk in the rhythms, unforced rhythms of grace. You know, in this place, in this scripture, he says, I will not give you anything that's ill-fitting. Is that right? Can you go back to that scripture again? That's the one in the message. I want that left up there, please. Matthew. Yeah. He says, he says here, walk with me. We talked about that. Work with me. We talked about that. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. And we, I'm just quickly here. We see the whole story in his, um, 1 Samuel. We see the whole story of David. And David's learned the unforced rhythms of grace. He's been out there with the sheep. He's been worshipping God. He's learned to hear the heart of God. He's conquered, you know, he's, he, he's had his battles and he's conquered in these battles. And then he gets to this place right now where there's this Goliath and he's, you know, having this giant and he's coming against God's people and they're all freaking out and they're all scared. And this little boy comes along and says, I think I can do this. I think I can do it. So he goes up to Saul, who is the king at the time. I think I can do this. And this is what Saul says. Then Saul said, okay, you can do it. So he says this in 1738, then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around. But because he was not used to them, he said, I cannot go in these. He said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream and put them in the pouch and and a sling in his hand and he approached the Philistine. And it's amazing, this, you know, he takes off this whole armor. He's trying to wear the armor of somewhere else. He's trying to be someone else. They're saying to him, if you're going to fight this giant, then you have to be this. And you know, that's what religion is trying to do to you right now. That's what religion and rules and regulations and laws are trying to do. If you're going to stand for Jesus, then you have to wear this. You have to look like this. You have to walk like this. You have to talk like this. You have to have this kind of lifestyle. But I want to tell you this, that Jesus came to set us free. And he says that he will not put anything ill-fitting on us at all. Nothing too heavy for us. Nothing that doesn't suit us. Jesus came to set us free to be ourselves. Amen. To be comfortable in our own skin and to walk around and be an expression of the beautiful love of God in our own hearts and as an individual and as a beautiful child of the Most High God. Amen. And David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me. You know, and that day he just got that little stone and bang, knocked that giant flying, cut his head off and got, you know, I mean, do you know what? You're going to knock down some giants just because of who you are. This revelation of who you are in Christ. You know, demons come visit you at night and try and go, and do this kind of stuff at you and you're freaked out and all that kind of stuff. You just got to get your little stone out of your bag. You just got to say in the name of Jesus Christ. 
You come against me with all your... But I come against you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Because who I am is clothed in Christ. And what's within me is greater than what's in this world. And I not, may not look too much to you, devil. But I'm telling you that Jesus Christ inside of me already conquered you. And it is finished. In Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> David's strength and his victory came from being comfortable in his own skin. Get comfortable in your own skin. Stop comparing yourself to other people. There isn't anyone else like you. Never has been, never will be. You are unique, one and only, ever, 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 ever on this planet. There's never been another one like you. Why would you compare yourself with someone else? Unique things aren't comparable. There is no comparison. You are it. You're the only one of you shine and live and get comfortable in your own skin and be you. Amen. No, um, stand up, Jacob Mamo. Where are you? You know, you've heard of the sorcerer's apprentice. Well, this is the prophetic apprentice. And I'm raising Jacob up because this guy has got a sweetest heart for God and he sees things so clearly and God's just so beautiful. And you're like a David. You're like a David. You are, Jacob. You know the heart of God. You know the heartbeat of God. And I don't want you, you know, God doesn't want you to put on anything else. He doesn't want to put you on. Don't get on Saul's armor. Don't, don't become one of those fancy, fancy preachers, will you? No. Just be you. Just be you. You're so sweet. You can sit down. A little while ago, Jacob, um, and I'm finishing now, uh, Jacob was in a prayer meeting with me, and it's a prophetic prayer meeting that I'm starting to train up people how to pray prophetically and how to hear the voice of God and all that kind of stuff. And he, didn't even, he wasn't even sure if he was supposed to be there. He's just like, oh, I don't know if I'm supposed to be here or not. He's in this prayer meeting, and the presence of God came so strong in this prayer meeting that we were sort of standing in a circle, and not, we could hardly stand up. And then all of a sudden, some people started laughing in the spirit, like they were getting filled with joy, getting set free of depression. And the people that were praying were getting blessed. And they were all just like, you know, trashed. And I don't know if you've ever heard the expression being drunk in the spirit, but I was drunk in the spirit. I could hardly stand up and I was laughing my head off. And it was just great. I needed that. How many of you know that sometimes you just need to be filled with God? And you just need to get refreshed by God. It was so beautiful. But I kept opening one eye to see how Jacob was doing. Because I was going, Jacob's never probably experienced anything like this before. And I'm a pastor. So I'm thinking, how's Jacob doing? He looked a little uncomfortable. And so I kind of shut it down a little. And went over to him. And I said, Jacob, you don't have to be like this. You don't, if this is not happening to you, you don't have to fake it to make it. This is happening to them because God wants to do that to them. But what is God doing to you? And right then God said, get Jacob to lay hands on you. Because I was really sick at the time. And old disease was trying to get my body. And it was in remission for years. And it had come back and it was attacking me. And he said, get Jacob to lay hands on you. See, I didn't have to fly to the States and get some healing ministry. I just went to Jacob. I said, Jacob, I'll tell you what. You know, silver and gold have you none. But what you do have, give it to me. He just puts his little hand on me like this. He's just like, I love you, Pastor Julie. I just want you so much to get healed. I want you to be sick. And just 
Just the love of God flowed through him. Jacob, I'm healed. I'm healed. Four months that disease got me. And I don't have one symptom right now. You know, God is amazing. Anyway, I got home and I thought, geez, I hope Jacob was all right with all that because I could see the gift on his life and I don't want him to get all weirded out when, you know, and stuff and go, ooh, I think I'll go to another church where that stuff doesn't happen and all that because God is so great and I'm not ashamed of my father's ways, but I'm conscious that other people aren't used to that stuff. And so when I got home, you know, I, I was checking Facebook and I get a little message on Facebook. Jacob Mamma, here we go. He's probably going to say, oh, I'm leaving this church. It's weird. And, um, and I opened it up and he had a vision from God. And it totally blew me away. And as, as the music team come up, I'm going to share that with you. Because it honestly, I mean, those of you who have been in this church for a long time would know that when, when Pastor Phil and I pioneered this church, You know, we were praying at that time and fasting for someone to come and start a church in this area. We're saying, God, please send someone. Please send someone. This place needs a church so badly. You know, God, we'll do anything. We'll support them. We'll do whatever you want. And then God just turns around and goes, it's you. And Phil goes, I can't even speak. You know, there's no way we can do this. But we were in a revival meeting, Rodney Howell Brown meeting. The Spirit of God was just moving. We were just totally intoxicated with God. And then Rodney Hayer Brown said, stand to your feet if you think you're called to full-time ministry. And I looked at Phil and he looked at me. We tried to stand to our feet. Our legs were like jelly, like this, like this, like this. And the anointing of God came on us so strong. Like tonight, the oil of God came down over us. And we knew that, we knew that, we knew we could not say no to God. No matter how inadequate we felt, no matter how crazy we felt, we could not say no to God. And Phil looked at me and he said, Jules, if I can, if I can do this in the Holy Spirit, we can do this. If we can, if we can stay totally reliant on the Spirit of God, if we can pray every step we take that we're in touch with God. And we've been doing that for 16 years. Every day, we just take another step and we pray. And then we pray. Then we take another step. Every part of this church that you see has been birthed in prayer and in tears and in seeking the face of God that we would do it right. And when we were just about to step out and pioneer this church, this prophetic ministry came and said, I've got a word for you. And she said, yeah, God wants you to pioneer this church, but he wants you to do it like nothing you've ever seen before. Because God's going to do something that's so glorious. And he's going to come, he's going to plant his church, his feet in your church. And when his feet come and they're planting your church, he's never going to leave. And you're going to be in a massive revival until Jesus comes back. It's going to be the most glorious thing. But every step you take, you have to rely on him. Now, Jacob doesn't know any of that. He's new to our church. He doesn't know the history. And so he gives me this word. He said, oh... I was in the prayer meeting tonight and I saw a white flag. I don't really know what a white flag means, but this is what it kind of meant to me. It says to me that the pure source of power in this church comes from utter dependence on God. Because every day we're waving the white flag. I surrender God. I surrender God. I surrender God. 
Let's just stand to our feet right now. Why don't you get your white flag in your hand? <laughs> Say, I surrender, Lord. I surrender to you.